0: Blob Talk Radio. Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures with Paul Booth. I'm your host. So jazzed to be here today. Well, actually, I realized I'm jazzed every time the mic light is on. Sorry for the phone there. No one ever calls, but as film people know, the plane flies by once you hit roll sound. The car honks once you've locked up location. So, again, the phone has not rang all morning, but the second I go live, so apologize for that. Today, we're going to be discussing the film Tully. I want to make sure I pronounce this name wrong, so if when she comes on, I'll make sure I did it right. Anastasia Massaro, production designer for this new Jason Reitman Diablo Cody film. And before I introduce the guests, I'll just give this brief intro uh show maintenance you can check us out at www.talkingpicturesla.com and we're excited today because this is our second production designer we've also had an art director uh jennifer who did the beguiled and our other our first production designer was last year uh mr win thomas who did do the right thing malcolm x uh beautiful mind um so uh, I see that we have a caller. Is this our guest? Welcome.
1: It is. Hi.
0: I, w- I want to make sure I pronounce your name wrong. Is it Anastasia?
1: It's Anastasia. Yeah.
0: Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate every guest. So first question is Thanks just for how are you? you ha- oh, you're very welcome. Uh, you having a good day? Everything going good?
1: I am. It's spring in Toronto, so it finally feels oh. like it. So I'm thrilled.
0: Awesome. Excellent. That's cool. Well, thank you for calling from Toronto. Uh, You are our first. Well, we've had guests from Canada who, while they were here for a festival, called us, but you're our first Canadian guest calling from Canada. So I went to film school in Vancouver. Where where are you located? Oh, I'm located in uh, Huntington Beach, which is 45 minutes south of LA. Okay. And I went to film school in Vancouver. So I love Canadians and I love Canadian filmmakers, <laughs> so this really makes my day, like, honestly, that we actually, I saw the area code, and I went, I have never seen that for any state, so this is awesome, uh, so, <laughs> hey, uh, great show, nice to meet you, have a good day, no, um, of,
1: of,
0: of course, we're here to discuss Tully, but also for audience members, uh, Anastasia worked on uh, the Imaginarium of Dr. Panassus. only mention that because uh obviously a historical film, uh Mr. Heath Ledger's last used a lot of different actors um to f- complete that film, but I only mention it so we see here that the range is Terry Gilliam to Jason Reitman, which uh I think would <laughs> that be range. like comparing yeah, that's a good range. I, I would say I'm proud of that just, range. Yeah, that's an amazing range. That's like I almost said Justin Bieber to John Coltrane, but I don't want to insult John oh, Coltrane. Oh no! Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I fight. Do I hear a dial tone? I said Bieber and Coltrane in the same paragraph. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that is quite the range. So I, I want to first of all say um, kudos to you on that. Um, and when I was looking up on IMDb, uh, I just what I love about Canadian filmmakers is the, just the mellow. And uh, we, I I was at Sydney Quest last year and saw um, Jason Reitman got the uh, Maverick Award. So my friend Sean moderated the event and I just love the demeanor of Canadians. I just, I just, it's just so great. It's like, we're not being asked where we work, what we make, uh, why are we not VP yet and (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, I knew this would be cool. I knew it wasn't going to be like, "Well, I know Diablo Cody and who do you know paul um so uh with that, and also too we uh we jump around with questions, so we're not a a b c other than we have to start out with the cliche question of a bunch of jobs to choose in film. I always like to know what makes someone choose their role, so what made you uh choose to become a production designer? You know,
1: um, I had no intention of becoming a production designer when I was little. Um, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. And then I thought, yeah, and then I thought I'll become a doctor um, and volunteered in an ER for two years and realized I'm really not equipped to deal with the general public. Um, So I went to school to become a, I was a contemporary dancer and I hurt myself and uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a a completely destroy my career kind of debilitating um, accident or anything, but it was enough to make me think if I, if I do this and then I get hurt, um, I don't want to be a teacher. Like all I wanted to do was dance. So I thought I really need to do something else and I always loved movies and I loved old Roger Corman movies with Vincent Price, and I loved the Imaginary of Doctor Parnassus and Metropolis, which I which came on TV at least once a month. And uh, I, at the time I was my roommate was working in film. She was a tad. She was a trainee AD. And so I asked her about film work, and so she told me what the art department did. And I could already do some graphics, and I was always drawing since I was a little kid. And I thought, oh, can I meet, can I do Baron Munchausen? Did that actually happen? Oh. And so I started looking into it. And I asked her to help, and she decided she wasn't going to help because she decided she was going to join the art department. <laughs> so,
0: uh, okay.
1: so I started calling around um, Toronto, because I, I was living in Toronto, and which was lucky for me because it's a production center. And I, um, volu- I wound up volunteering on Vincenzo Natale's Cube for two, year- uh, for two months. Two years, that would have been a lot. Yeah, uh, so that's okay. how I started. And then wow. I, the woman that I worked with, Uh, on Vincenzo's, um, she said to me, you need a driver's license. And at the time, all I had was a motorcycle license. So I (laughs) went to get my car driver's license and uh, went to night school to learn how to do location plans and draft. And then started working for some producers as their assistant and got enough credits to join the union and started off that way. About 23 years ago now.
0: Interesting. Well, congratulations. Dancing... Dr. Um, Indiana, <laughs> Indiana Jones. Not bad about the Indiana Jones thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, you, you probably could have been a good archaeologist. Um, well, wow, that sounds like quite the journey. That's what the one of the reasons we started this show was because we wanted to have filmmakers discussing the journey and it not necessarily just being about the film, kind of the journey of the film and promoting it. Of course, Tully is going to be in theaters uh May 4th and it is the third collaboration between Diablo Cody and uh Jason Reitman. Of course they uh everybody Juno. But for audience and fans out there that don't know, for Jason Reitman, there's a wonderful film. I'm such a J.K. Simmons nut. Uh mm-hmm. thank you for smoking. You guys gotta track that down. It if it goes up and down on Netflix. Um but uh It's so weird because I know you're supposed to say mister when you don't know someone, but I'm a few years older than uh, Jason Reitman. So I've always felt weird referring to people as mister that I, so anyways, Um, the other thing too is, is when I introduced the other production designer we had, the show does not like name dropping. We know that we're all just people. So anything Mm -hmm. that you don't want to go into or don't want to answer because the reality is you do work with, uh, the, celeb- the celebrity culture. We totally respect that. Um, this is a no gossip show, no anything, all that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the main thing that my, one of my first questions now about Tully is you come into Tully and, uh, I saw life this morning, by the way. Um, wonderful. Did you like it? Yeah. I mean, having to do the production design of the fifties and having to, uh, know the music. I heard a Howlin' Wolf song and I went, yeah, I didn't even think about that. The production designer has to have the music and everything fit. But yes, I did like it. Um, so kudos on that. Uh, so you you walk into Tully and what what is the process or what goes through your mind that you're thinking, I'm going to do this, and the writer and director have, this is going to be their third, and also the director and DP have done six. So how did you think of right. that relationship was going to start out of the director, DP, production designer?
1: Um, I don't know. I'm always hopeful that that's going to go well. And you know what? 99% of the time that does go well. And Eric Spielberg was great to me. He um, right off the top took me aside and was like, this is the kind of stuff that Jason likes. This is how he likes to work. This is what he doesn't like to have happen. And so he prepped me so that uh, I could make the least amount of mistakes possible with Jason. Oh, great. Right. Because um, it's a short amount of, it was, a, it, was, it was a short shoot and prep, and you have a limited amount of time to get to know each other and get to know what your director wants uh, and how he likes to work. So I had help, and Jason Blumenfeld, the um, first assistant director, he was really, like, in there with, like, with guiding me. So it was Helen Estabrook, who's worked with Jason before, and Erica Mills, um, they were all really great in showing me the way, the Jason way.
0: The Jason way. Well, yeah. That's and so it really wasn't that. that
1: much of a distance because we, I, I, I kind of got them as I kind of got them pretty quickly. We had an initial conversation over Skype um, where I thought, Hey, nice to meet this guy. Um, I'm probably not doing this movie. <laughs> um, and then uh, a couple of weeks later, I got the job and we met in person in Kensington market here in Toronto because he was in town and um, it was great because you could see that, you know, you start an interview and for me, they're like first dates, like they're like blind dates. You're trying to connect or the person is not trying to connect. And with Jason, he was trying to connect. um, So obviously that it was easy to meet him halfway, so we just started talking about our childhoods and uh, and relationships and movies we like to watch, and we we had there was a lot of similarities there, so that that synchronicity started happening pretty quickly, which I was very grateful for.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Well, I'll hit the synopsis real quick, and then I'll jump into back to what you just said. Uh, this is a new comedy from. As we said, Jason Reitman, uh, Academy Award nominated director, uh, writer, and producer for Up in the Air. And of course, he was nominated for Juno. Uh, Academy Award winning screenwriter Diablo Cody, who won for Juno. Uh, and then, of course, Charlize Theron. Uh, she's an Oscar winner. Um, she's a mother of three, including a newborn. She is a gifted night nanny by her brother. Oh, sorry. Sometimes when I read things, I have this little eye issue. Sorry. Take two is a gifted night nanny by her brother, Mark Duplass. uh, Hesitant to extravagance at first, Marlowe comes to form a unique bond with the thoughtful, surprising, and sometimes challenging young nanny named Tully, Mackenzie Davis. This is a great trailer. I suggest just YouTubing it. Uh, I really liked the trailer because the fact that this is about the nanny and Tully And when you instantly hear Charlize Theron, you think, and again, I haven't seen the movie yet, uh, you instantly think it's just going to be about her. Um, And that was something that when you mentioned connection with uh, Jason Reitman was when I saw him talk, it was really cool because I could tell that he was working to connect with the audience and make us feel like we were a part of it and not just watching him be interviewed on stage and Mm -hmm. I remember leaving really appreciating that like especially since I had been paying attention to the moderator and him as the guest so I was kind of studying knowing that I have a podcast of how can I also pay attention to guests and connect with the guest and do that kind of triangle so um I really admired and and of course uh it was only a ninety minute thing, but the personability of him and the way he would tell told some great stories about his father. I've I've been to so many panels and I've I mean I've interviewed filmmakers that I've known for years. They don't even talk about their father. So uh yeah. that was a really cool thing. And that's what I like, you know, is that I'll admit I think many people uh and this ties into just Tolly and this next question, uh when he came out and I, and I, he discussed it at cinequest was the thought of just because he grew up on the Ghostbusters set was that things were handed to him or he just got a career and didn't have to make his way through USC or, and hearing someone address that, uh, a personal thing to face is what I think makes this film so great. So the personability of this story being about a nanny and what women go through postpartum. uh, What was it like for you? You come in as a collaborator and I'm not talking about the crazy controversial side right now in Hollywood, but it is a man telling a woman's story, although written by a woman, uh, the director ultimately setting the POV. Uh, how, How was that like to contribute to the look and the feel of the movie for it being a woman's story, but you're being led by a man's point of view.
1: It kind of felt like I was being led by a woman's point of view because it was Diablo script. And then in terms of the production design, um, I know that both Jason and I consulted moms. We consulted mothers. Um, I know that he talked to, uh, doulas and midwives and, and lots of mothers and he's a father. So he's got that aspect of it. Um, I don't. I have dogs. Um, so I consulted my best friends who have kids and um, a, lot of, a lot of moms that I know very well and know very, very little. Um, I know that we both researched that way and that we both found the same thing, that so many, so many mothers were so willing to um, give us very personal and intimate stories about their trials and, tibula- and tribulations with motherhood. And in my case, many women that I barely know sent me photographs of their homes um, without having been cleaned and showing me the way that they lived, um, right, which was right. very much appreciated. Oh,
0: d- well, d- I mean that, cause, and this, I don't mean to tie into life, but I, I'll kind of have to bounce around with just because I haven't seen Tully Um, like you're saying, if you're having to create a dirty space or a, uh, tough space, uh, that's what's always interested me about production designer is that they have to actually have the look meet a feeling. And I don't think we ever think unless we're going to like a nice dinner that when you go through old photos of yourself and you go, wow, like, I wasn't dressed very nice in that. And I was totally depressed. Like, so <laughs> as a production designer, like, and, and I, I think it's subconsciously, right? Like we're not, we're not going on a date or we're not, we kind of don't care how we look if we're not ha- going to a job interview. So, uh, you know, with those heavy emotions, did, was there any kind of like uh board you made or list of like, Hey, you know what, this is what she's going through. So she's not really, the set can't ever really feel this way or have this tone. I mean, what is that like? Because you're dealing oh. with such heavy emotions—postpartum and motherhood—and
1: well, we had lots of boards. All the art department boards were filled up, and then we had extras that we had standing. Um, but what I did was I compiled the way I do, any, like the way I approach any any project is I start filling my space with images, images that my gut thinks. Um, are appropriate for the characters. And then slowly, slowly, I start building characters with those images. And my, my gut, I'll have gut reactions to them saying, nope, this goes with this character or this doesn't fit at all and this goes into the trash. So I start with, I have a ton. I start gathering, gathering, gathering. And then I start to whittle it down and edit it so that I feel like I have a complete person. So, and everybody gets it, whether they're a bit character or not. If they have a space in the film, um, for example, there's a principal's office in this, um, in, in this movie and someone commented on some of the set dressing that was in there. And, it, uh, and I, you know, even, even though she's in there and she's just in her office, I still have to give her a life. So we still, we still packed her a lunch. I don't know if you wind up seeing it in the movie, but she's still, she's got Tupperware. She's brought stuff from home. Um, there are photographs. Um, from her life that have nothing to do with the school we still have to do that for every single character that you see in a space or in their own personal space
0: okay
1: so for example uh, i had just um i just interviewed for a, a project and um there were all these there's all these people in spaces that are not theirs and so while the person I was interviewing was saying to me, well, what do you think their spaces should look like? I'm like, well, who are the people that live there that we don't ever see? Because that's whose space it is. So I have to create a world for many different people, whether you see them or not, or whether you see their homes or not.
0: Oh, wow. That's, some, that's really, okay. So now I see where the Indiana Jones ties in. That's really, that's like digging back. And that's some real fascination. That's, uh, that's, That's the what fun I love. Part to of production
1: designing.
0: Yeah, the, I mean that sounds really. all the really... research and building
1: the characters.
0: And and now so uh, I mean I I remember in film school hearing it, but so I can hear it from the production designer's point of view. Can you just tell us quickly what the or whatever uh, the the line from down to you to art director to overseeing construction down to lead man, uh, just so the audience can hear it from your point of view.
1: Um, So the beginner position in my department is Art Department PA or Apprentice, depending on which city country I'm in. Um, They assist the department. They do the runs. I always try to get them to either do some drafting or some graphics, um, depending on which it is that they are better at or which it is that they want to do so that they walk away from the project with something for their portfolio so that they can move up. And then there are assistants, either graphic designers um, who make pretty much every scrap of paper and art you see on the walls unless we have that art cleared. Um, Magazines, uh, toothpaste, um, chips, cereal, unless it's product placement, a graphic designer has made that. A postcard, uh, photographs on the fridge, that is all a graphic designer. Um, Then there's the draft people and set designers and they are either doing uh, the location plans of everywhere that we're shooting or, and or they are doing the set design. So I will, um, the way I work is I typically um, do a floor plan and elevations, rudimentary ones, not, uh, not for construction, like not buildable from because they're lacking details, but I do everything at quarter-inch scale for floor plans and half-inch scale for elevations, hand it off to the set designer, and then I work with that person to get construction, goings, uh, construction drawings going so that construction and paint can build those. Um, we, sometimes we often, um, we often build uh, foam core models. Like Jason really likes foam core models because he can take them away. I find a lot of directors like them because they can take them away. Some people like 3D models on a computer, but I find that a lot of directors like to take the thing with them. Um, so the art department uh, apprentice will either assist in that or actually make those models. And then there is my art director. My art director manages the department um, and manages between departments. So they will manage between my set decorator, who has a, uh, enough people to manage on her own as well, with lead men and set dressers and set deck buyers who go out and, and get all the furniture and dressing and, and smalls and grapes that you see. Um, and my art director manages between. the so set decorator, construction, and the scenic paint department, um, and then props as well.
0: Wow. So an extra kudos to you for life. Uh, Everyone, please uh, maybe go and watch Tully on May 4th. Actually, you got to watch life before Tully because I don't want you to forget about life with our the world we live in, where, of course, if we love films, we have 20 things in our Netflix queue and we only watch two. Um, And then uh, but definitely check this out because I had no idea what it was about. I just started. Uh, typing in films from the filmography and because I thought there's only been a couple of interviews I've done. uh, uh, Like one that was really tough was I interviewed the cinematographer of Mudbound and I just thought, oh, it's going to be really hard to talk about cinematography if you haven't seen it. Uh, So I I thought I got to find a film that I can tie into. And so once I saw that it was okay 50s, I love that music the clothing, the, all that. And then the way you just explained everything down the ladder from your point of view, um, like, wow. So uh, everyone hearing what she just said, check out life because that's, I mean, I want to take Tylenol just hearing what you guys had to put together. Um, Now lights about, and also congratulations. You guys played the Cleveland international film festival. Um, I've, Personally, I'm not a fan of Cleveland, but I hear they have a great festival. Did you attend that screening?
1: I didn't, but I heard Cleveland's great. So I've been meaning to drive down. My friends drive down to Cleveland all the time.
0: It's Well, you know, here's the thing. I think what it is 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 that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is so cool that that draws into uh, – again, I guess I shouldn't knock Cleveland. I don't like it for a personal (laughs) reason. Um, But the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum is – so incredible I mean you could spend all day there and not even get to like the third album that you like um and of course I'm a big fan of baseball so uh I I also was there to see another stadium I do have to get to okay. Toron- Toronto um to see a Blue Jays game and also because the film festival of course uh quickly yes. don't don't mind me going so far off topic here but I I once interviewed your guys's uh, most famous old school Canadian director, who's one of the founders of TIFF. And we were down here talking and I, and he said to me, I really like talking with you. Have you ever come to TIFF? And I said, no. And he said, Oh, you should come up to TIFF. Why don't you call? And right there, the PR rep came in and said, okay, interview's over. And really, your guy, yeah, and your guy's famous director, who of course, who made it in the heat of the night, says, "No, but I still want to talk with this guy, and the p r rep says, "Well, if he talks with you longer, then everyone'll want to talk with you longer and the director said, "But if I don't want to talk longer, I won't, and so they actually shooed me out of the room, so he was about to say who to call at TIFF and say that oh, he called
1: no.
0: yeah, and I was like, but." really just let him what was he about to say like so I've always wondered (laughs) I mean every filmmaker wants to go to TIFF or film lovers I mean that's that's like duh but um yeah so uh that's pretty cool I I just clicked on here on IMDB to see where else it had played um
1: played Rebecca last week
0: oh congratulations that's fantastic Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: uh how how was the um did, did you go to that one
1: I didn't. I was in Los Angeles all last week, so I missed it. I was there. I I went to the premiere in L.A.
0: Oh, okay. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. My gosh. If I had a film playing Tribeca, I would be at Tribeca.
1: Um, (laughs) um, No, that's cool. I think I would just kind of be in the way at Tribeca, though. You know, it would just be me attending a festival, seeing my film.
0: Oh, okay. So are are well now that it's done. Are you allowed to say where it premiered in L.A.? Was it at Grauman's or Bruin or LA live
1: it was downtown
0: oh it was- okay that's right yeah they put in a new thing by I think by the Nokia okay that's awesome yeah because we're uh, we cover film festivals and occasionally we cover premieres but we get a lot of screeners for uh, premieres and uh, we got to see Sorkin's Molly's game before it came out ah. so I was really I get really I mean I'm just a Sorkin fan so it just happened that it's like who he is but Um, Cool. That's, that's excellent that you got to uh, come down for that. So let's see. My next question was, uh, so you had mentioned, this is back to uh, Eric Stilberg and Jason Reitman. And you had mentioned he, he talked to you about some tips and likes, dislikes. How was it for you when it got past that down to super shorthand, like the kind of shorthand where your friend of 20 years, you say Jessica he starts laughing and that no one will know what Jessica means was there any type was there any time where that came into play for you where you're like okay that's just
1: that's no, just them No I think that was I think first movie is just way too that's not going to happen
0: And they uh, always oh, they, no, no, that,
1: I, they always throw something in right like even with Terry right. Gilliam I'd, I'd worked with him twice and it's he was different on both movies that I worked with him oh, on. So he okay. was two different directors on each movie.
0: Is, is there anything you'd like to say real quick about that? Even though we're, uh, just cause that, again, this, and this goes back to the, to the range. And I'm so, I mean, I, I was excited to see, I'm excited to see totally, not just cause, uh, the, uh, you know, we love PR and the company that set this up. Uh, they're so good to us, but, um, I'm obviously a Jason Reitman fan and Juno grabbed everyone. I guess that's like question this, I had.
1: I love this script. Oh, like this script made me, I, I like, I made me cry. So when people say, oh, okay. people have said to me, Oh, well this is so not like your regular stuff. And, um, was like, it, this is a really, it it's a really great script. And I think it's a really good movie and there's magic in it. And even the way hey. it's shot, it's, um, I think it's in keeping with the rest of my work or the rest of the films that I've done. I think it makes sense in the, in the queue. Um, you mentioned life, life was a completely different process because it was period and we were dealing with a real person. So with, with family members who are alive. So it took some some care in, um, like in, in approaching the subject matter, which was Jane Dean. Um, and on that one, period movie is just more difficult because I have to be able to, I have to have the time and money to create that time period. And there was very, very little time. But on that one, I knew that I had the job about two months before we actually started pre-production. So I took my decorator and we drove down to Fairmount, Indiana, where James Dean uh, was from, where his family lives, and we, I had contacted his cousin. And he had opened up the James Dean Museum for me, and I met the um the people who run um the James Dean stuff down there and I met Marcus Winslow, his cousin, who um had me meet him at the farm and so I met a lot of people there, and i had was able to ask a lot of questions, and I got to see uh, contact sheets from that um, famous photo shoot with Dennis stock or that'saha. Uh-huh. Uh, um, series of photos with Dennis Stock. So wow. when I, when, it, when we went into production, I already had um, uh, most of my research done. And I had also started buying uh, before we started the uh, pre-production, I'd also started buying pieces of set dressing that were famously in those photos that were in his apartment. Um, and I also wound up meeting the person who lives in his apartment. Now he has been living there for 40 years, uh, Russell and Russell let me come over and measure the apartment um and the shelves and so it was really indispensable all the pre-work that i did before i went and started this job because i wouldn't have been able to get this job done had i not done that on my own um so that was a very different kind of movie because then when we were in production and i had questions i would call down to the james dean gallery and and david and lenny would answer questions i remember once i was like you know I'm doing the ball. I'm doing the Sweethearts Ball, and I I have the yearbook from that year, and I can see that there is a queen. But was there a king? And I had called down, and and Lenny answered the phone. He's like, "Well, hold on. My neighbor went to that dance. She'll tell me."
0: Oh. Wow.
1: So I had two months worth of research done when I started that movie.
0: Oh okay. Well, this this is interesting that you like you know because also too with that film, what was Bringing me not out of it, but was making me have my own thoughts was when characters say Kazan, and I go, okay, I love on the waterfront, I love uh, uh slender, grass. I lo- or uh, I haven't seen it in so long. A tree grows in Brooklyn, um but then it's like, oh, but what was my thought on what he did with the House and American Activities Committee? So, and then James Dean is mm-hmm. like, oh, how tragic. And I remember the first time I saw East of Eden, and. I've seen Rebel Without a Cause on the big screen. Um, Giant played one time when I was out of town. It played the classic movie night, 35 millimeter print on the big screen. And I was just like, and my mother went to it and told me, she's like, oh, this movie was so great. I saw, and it was called Giant. And it was this oil movie. And I'm like, you saw Giant for the first time on the big screen. Like, how lucky is that? Anyways, I know as film lovers, we can just go a hundred. I mean, we'll forget we've been here for Tully. Um so again, uh Tully, um here's something that I'm always interested in 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 departments or knowing the work. Uh as a production designer, did you sit down and eric steelberg oh, okay. the way he worked or like did you 500 days or draft day which i love i'm that sorry Kevin the Toss first movie. part
1: of your question disappeared because you cut out
0: oh oh sorry okay the did you sorry. did you study um oh yeah no it's me i have a i have a sometimes on this show i get so excited that we're doing the show that i talk too fast <laughs> um, uh, it's like And and friends have told me, they're like, I couldn't understand this one part. I'm like, yeah, it's so jazz. Okay, so like, did you uh, study the technique of Eric Stielberg by checking out any of his other films outside of his work with Jason Reitman?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I had seen a bunch of his films before I had actually gotten this job. So I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to like go out and look at new stuff. But we talked about how he had shot some of Jason's other films, and they're all kind of different, and he shot this differently as well. Well, I I loved uh, Young young
0: Adult, adult. so, yeah, sorry, go ahead. You're you're, you're saying he shot this differently. Go ahead, sorry.
1: Mm -hmm. And where I learn the most about where a movie's going and how it's being shot is from the dailies. So the first day of dailies is, it's indispensable that I see those dailies because I can, I mean, I watch them all, but... I can see how the tone and, and, and framing is going, so it's, it's different than how he shot the others, which, which is not surprising because as filmmakers we don't want to really repeat ourselves.
0: Oh yes, of, of course. That uh, you know now that you're um, because I was concentrating on life and thinking of you, but now that I'm really thinking about uh, you know Juno for me I always have to push aside because I think it was just such a surprise to the world. I remember. We actually saw it just saying, who's Ellen Page? Jason Reitman hasn't been around in a while. Um, or Jason Bateman. Uh, who's Jason Reitman? Oh, he's got to be in. So anyways, um, but yes, I mean, Labor Day was so... Uh, but we'll use young adults since it's uh, Charlize Theron. And that was such a, a cool thing, too, being a woman's story. But of course, like you said, the the POV of Diablo Cody. Um, but that had to me one of the most unique and uh what do I say it was almost like it was shot to be like an epic but it was such a simple story and I'm just looking at production stills on the trailer of Tully and that's what it kind of feels like like huge emotion but just doing it subtle not drawing attention to it uh Was there a lesson um, for you that you got to – you came home from work and you were able to say, you know what, I probably would have never been able to learn this, whether it's personal or professional, but not personal, personal. Uh, Wow. What a great lesson today on Tully. Is there something specific that you – got to learn for yourself?
1: Not that I can remember. I mean, I always learn something on every job, but it's more to do with uh, myself in terms of uh, how I've handled the situation or how I've solved the problem.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: On this one, I learned that I can survive on Dare coconut cream cookies for dinner for 12 weeks. (laughs) That's what I learned.
0: That is... Canadian, eh? Well, why it should be Kokanee. Um Do they still have Kokanee? I don't know what that is. Uh, what it is that beer? Th- that pint? Yeah, that beer pint, Kokanee. Um I'm just film school. It was like I watch
1: movies.
0: I think they do. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what I thought was so cool about Canada, because I was like, okay, in fil- film school, it's like watch movies, talk about movies, drink beer, wake up, repeat. So that's why that's where Canada was such a big influence on me, was because I'm from Hawaii. <laughs> And Hawaii is I love mellow. how
1: Americans talk about Canada.
0: Like when we're talking oh. about the United
1: States, it's like Los Angeles or New York or Florida. But like we're all Canada here.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, well, well you know, I I I want to go to Toronto Toronto, um, and I know to not pronounce the T. Um, I, <laughs> I I I have you know, I mean my Vancouver buddy, like, we always have these great conversations about America and Canada and I won't go into politics obviously or <laughs> Remotely mention who people say is our leader, but um, <laughs> what I Canada to me is like it's just so fun to me because it just feels like party that the cops haven't shut down. Like it's just you're uh, you're <laughs> just I mean because they're just fun. My Canadian buddies, I mean, I've known them you know since 2000, and there's just no change. And it's not because when you've known someone that long, it's just like oh you're he- you're healthy. Your mom's healthy. Your dad's healthy. Your project's going good. Cool. Um, and by the way, I've been saying the wrong day. It's May 3rd, not May 4th. Oh no, it is May 4th. Sorry. May 4th. Um, yeah. May 4th. Uh, one, one quick question here about another question about, uh, cast before we wrap it up with our, our head into wrap up, uh, or anytime you want to wrap, just say, Hey, it's a wrap. Um, uh, Mark Duplass, Duplass, mm-hmm. um, He's been producing some really interesting things for Netflix lately. Uh, wild, wild country. And he has a, oh, he has something that I might cover that I shouldn't say. I forgot about that. We, what do we do? <laughs> we work and work and work to achieve our dreams. And then we can't tell anyone what we're working on. Right. <laughs> uh, I have a friend in effects and it's like, he's, he's the last movie is he can never tell me till the day before what he worked on. And it's just like, I'm behind you. And I want to support you, but I find out the night before. Um, so because he's so, he's important to indie film as an advocate and as a producer, uh, what was it like to uh, be around him as an actor?
1: Um, I'm going to probably give a disappointing answer, but I'm not usually around the actors. Unless, I mean, other, like, other than when I go to set and it's like, hi, nice to meet you, good morning, or something like that um i always ask if they ha- want to you know be walked through the set or if they um have any specifics that they would like me to put into the set for them but or else i just kind of stay out of their way
0: oh interesting We're i know to, it's to, not what I people want to yeah, hear
1: they <laughs> think that i'm like hanging out with them or something <laughs> or chatting but no really like they're at work i'm at work i'm trying to stay out of their eyeline and just you know keep the day going oh right
0: the the eyeline thing um I was a PA on a, on a, on a Clooney movie one time. And uh, again, I'm so glad that we all relate to they're just people. And I remember I almost got fired because George Clooney was in the room with all the crew and he asked if anybody had seen this one Sidney Lumet movie. And Mm -hmm. I just took it as he's actually asking. So I said, I've seen it. (laughs) And we started talking about Sidney Lumet. Then we started talking about Mike Nichols. Then we started talking about this Robert Evans book, that book, "A Kid Stays in the Picture." And Mm -hmm. the next day, the the UPM comes up to me and he's like, "Don't ever approach Talent again." And I I said, "Approach Talent?" I said, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "I got a report that you approached Talent," and I really took it as when he said, "Has anyone in the room? uh, (laughs) Does anyone in the room like Cindy Lamette?" I, I thought he was trying to spark a film talk. So he didn't tell me like, hey, kid, stop talking. He he asked then asked me questions. He even said he thought one of my opinions was interesting. So I thought, why am I going to walk away from talking about Mike Nichols with Clooney the year after he directed Good Night and Good Luck? I'm like, I'm going to listen to his advice and hear what he has to say. So it was just really funny to me. That was my first lesson. And, and just how, uh, so when you say eye lines, I... I think of that where, or those actors, and of course, we've probably both been around them and we won't mention names, of where you really have to be. Like, you you have to be in the same room as them, but make sure you're never within five feet of them and the room's only seven feet wide. So it's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to crawl under a table because Clooney is walking this way. Uh, uh, so that my my last two questions, um, and then I'll I'm going to I give I'll, I always give the guest a few moments just to say anything they'd like to say about the experience but my last two questions uh for every guest is do you have a genre that you know stories there directors there etc what you get paid is there a genre that before you retire whatever you you have to production design that genre All the ones that
1: I haven't done yet. Basically, all the ones that I haven't done yet. Like, I want to do uh, Western. I want to do 1920s, 30s picture. Um, Pretty much everything I haven't done in terms of genre is what I'd like to do. But my favorite, too, is um, whimsical adult stories about childhood. Those are my favorite to watch and have always been. And I love working wow. on things like that.
0: I, I And I, I really like that the genres you haven't done. And when you say Western, that also intrigues me because a lot of cinematographers that I've interviewed say Western and then sci-fi, but they, uh, and I think it is that maybe Western is also because it's a genre that uh, is in some sense gone, but then also, I always find Western funny because an action movie can totally be a Western, but people won't watch Westerns like Anton Fuqua's training day. It's like, people won't watch Westerns, but when Ethan Hawke walks down the street to come after Denzel, it's like, that's a Western, that whole last act. He's coming to town to get the guy. Um, I, don't
1: know. Okay, I don't know that so, people won't watch them. They're just not being made really. But, well, yeah, yeah. That, I, I
0: guess I meant in the sense of, I, I had friends one time that they, I could not turn them on to Hitchcock. And then we went that night what? and saw like a murder mystery. So it was like,
1: how, you how, won't do, you, watch how do you not like Hitchcock?
0: Yeah. See, this is a, this is a filmmaker talk for, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. How do you not like Hitchcock? How do you not enjoy a good John Ford Western? Um, how do you, you know, how do you but even as not risk it? I
1: watched Hitchcock. Like I loved Vertigo. Oh yes, yeah, that so... was my like number one Hitchcock movie. I watched that over and over and over again.
0: Oh okay. Well, I mean, Turner I Classic. I don't really Movies, understand that. Yeah, I no. Trust me, I I can't either. I don't understand when people say like truffaut who or It's getting kind of scary in the world. But I know, uh, I know as filmmakers or people that love film, there's it seems like such a huh? You don't like strangers on a train, um which uh, Turner Classic Movies Film Festival is this weekend. And they're, um, they're going to be one of the opening films on the first day for public is that. Uh, so the, the next question for you uh, is, what is the genre? No way you would design it. Is there one?
1: Um, it's not that no way I wouldn't design it, but things about sci-fi in the future. Because I find that so often you're given very little time to pre production these things. And if you don't have the amount of time to develop these ideas, you just wind up I just see it so often, regurgitating ideas that already exist about what the future is gonna look like. Um, so I like, you know, I like movies like Minority Report and Gattaca and things where you got to see new ideas for the future, but you need time to research those because or else I'm kind of tired of seeing this vision of the future that's all black and silver and shiny and hard and there's, like, no soft fabrics or no soft, you know, surfaces. Um, I would do it if I was given enough time to actually develop it and, um, and figure out, you know, develop new technologies, like, new ideas for it for future technologies and not just do the same things that we see over and over and over again for the future and space.
0: Oh, that's such an interesting answer. And, and mentioning minority report, I love seeing that on the big screen when it came out, gosh, I can't believe that movie's 2000. Cause we were in film school. We cut out of school to go see that. Um,
1: I think uh, they were in development for that for like a year. Like I heard the production designer speak and he was like, we went, you know, we talked to NASA and, And so they got the, they, they got the info to say, what, what, what is being researched for the future? Um, so it, and it came across because you saw all these like new ways and new, new ways of seeing and new technologies. And, um, it was just, it was a different version of the future that I had seen. And that's what I would want to do something different, not the same version over and over and over again.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, that's such an easy trap. Uh, And that is also, I heard, uh, before we segue into the last thing, uh, I heard Mark Cuban say, uh, stop putting certain things on Facebook because he thinks that they're going to eventually use basically minority reports. They're going to say, okay, you like this band, this movie, you did this, and this serial killer was doing the same thing 10 years before, so let's lock you up before you get to the point of Uh, which I remember Minority Report which is so creepy and such a weird concept. Um, But, you know, as you know, I don't know how Canada is, but, of course, now in America we do uh, racially profile and and stereotype and...
1: uh, Well, there's there's profiling and stereotyping up here, but our our privacy laws are... uh, We have stronger privacy laws, I believe, than the United States, but with Facebook, I don't know that that's the case because I just... um, a friend of mine said to me, have you seen the information that Facebook has on you? And I'm like, I don't even have it on my phone. Um, I don't have messenger. Um, I, hate- I don't go on it very often. And I said, I don't even know how to get the information that Facebook has on me. And he sent me a link of how what to do to download what they have on you. And they have photos from my phone that I never even put on Facebook or ever sent to anybody.
0: Yes, yes. I w- yes, I was going to say yesterday... I was looking up an old photo of my dog and all these pictures of my trip to Germany were on Facebook that are also in my phone. And I went, whoa, I'm glad I don't, <laughs> like my dad says, don't ever do anything that you don't want somebody to hear about or you're not willing to have said about you. <laughs> so that is very, yeah, I, mean, very I, I understand
1: that for like putting the information on there, but, like I didn't, I didn't put this information on, I didn't put it on Facebook and they have my photos.
0: Oh my, that is. So I don't know so how strong sweet. our
1: privacy laws.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, once we had the Patriot Act down here, everything went out the window. I mean, that'll, that starts a five hour debate with Americans. Um, so the, the last thing, and of course, again, thank you for your time and, and being so open and sharing these stories with us and calling from Canada. You are going to... And for to, going off so, on tangents?
1: Okay. Yes, yes.
0: Well, no, we love that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like that you were comfortable enough to even still be talking. Um, the... uh, um, You will be in our marketing materials. Has We've had Canadian callers, so just know we will add an <laughs> S, even though it was one caller. You know the marketing game. we got to make ourselves sound cool. Um, <laughs> uh, this, uh, so, yeah, and again, we thank... Uh, Meredith, uh, Jessica, we think this is, see, this is, this is also another reason we started the show was because what is this? This is a PR in a country and a filmmaker from two other countries talking. So just one little phone call has three countries coming together over film. So it's like, we can have good... Oh, you're Italian. Okay. You're Italian. I'm Sicilian. So, and I'm Mexican. And I, no, <laughs> um, no, I really am. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I love that. See, this is what we need to do. I always thought if we could just get, like, the UN to watch, like, a good double feature, so many things could be solved. Um, so, yeah, uh, so to, clo- to close out, is there just anything you would like to say or if there's uh if, you'd, if you've just – in general, anything you'd like to close with? Open mic. Um.
1: I hope everyone goes to see Tully. It's not just for moms. It's not, I don't think it's a movie that people think it's going to be. Um, but I, as a woman with no children, um, found a lot um, to, to relate to, to, um, to Charlie's character. And I think that there's a, a lot there for, that, would, that would make people think about how their lives turned out.
0: Okay, well, excellent, because I'm, I'm still bummed that I miss men, women, and children, so I got to uh, – That I was have, so good. Yeah, see, I have, a, I have a policy where there's no way I'm missing Tully, uh, even had, had you not come on, uh, because I still am, like, kicking myself. Um,
1: you have to it just, see it, and especially if you have any oh, kids yeah. That one. As soon as I saw men, women, and children, I was calling all my friends with kids and saying, you guys have got to watch this movie.
0: Oh, see, I'm like you said. I have do- I have a dog. So, and I'm in that where I call myself the last of the Mohicans because I don't know anyone <laughs> who doesn't have kids. So I'm like, I have oh, that. You know, talk right about... me,
1: right here. I've got two down here. Yeah, there, it's like-, two savages.
0: <laughs> yeah like, it's like you talk about sci-fi in the future. It's like I think I'm the last guy that's going to be on the planet. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so t- so totally, definitely, everyone. If you're a Jason Reitman fan or just to check out a good movie, Charlize Theron, always wonderful. She laid down the gauntlet of acting She's uh, amazing.
1: She's monsters. amazing in this. Well, uh, we we do have... Not that she's uh, up not amazing, five. but she's just, she's tra- she transformed in this, again, uh, to well, uh, yeah, something Diablo, you haven't seen it, before. And Diablo Cody's it, dialogue is always amazing.
0: Yes, yeah, she, I mean, that, you know, we actually have just over five minutes, so if there's something you could comment on uh, young adult is a film that I find many people even except hardcore Jason Reitman fans or Diablo Cody that for some reason people missed young adult. I know why people uh, didn't particularly like Labor Day. They were expecting Juno or whatever up in the air or something. But uh, as far as Shirley, really, Theron, just young adult. That was just, she was so amazing in that. I mean, a girl going back to try to get back a old boyfriend and thinking that it's going to work <laughs> I mean hoping how, that it's going to uh, work yeah hoping that it's going to work i mean and so, was, yeah i know, think that character
1: was so messed up that i think a lot of people have an aversion to that but that like that was a complicated character i loved that you weren't supposed to like that you were you wanted to love her and then sometimes you didn't and then sometimes you were like, oh, man, that was bad. And then you were like, yeah, you go. And it just took you up and down. I think as women, right. uh, as a woman, we I appreciated seeing somebody on screen that wasn't necessarily completely likable and cute and pretty. She was all kinds of things.
0: Especially since it's her, you think you're going to go in and have the pretty, oh, except for Monster, um, that you're yeah. going to have the... You're going to have her, the beautiful dress, the, yeah, I love my, that my, some of my favorite films are flawed characters. I love like Billy Wilder's The Lost Weekend. And then when Michael Keaton did Clean and Sober in the eighties and it was like, I'm not Mr. Mom or gung ho. I'm an alcoholic with problems. Um, Yeah. I think those are the films where I really love when someone can handle the material. And yeah, like you said, I mean, you're, you're going to have a, I don't think there's anything such thing as perfect, but you're going to have as close to perfect as it gets, obviously with Diablo Cody writing and that witty dialogue. And so, yeah. um,
1: And I think like movies like this is why is, is, are the kinds that stay with you afterwards. Like I like finishing a movie. Well, sometimes I like finishing a movie and it's just over my, you know, my hour, hour and a half has been spent and that, that's what I was looking for. But it's also really nice when you're still talking about the movie, days later and I think this one is one that you talk about with your friends and talk about your lives and you know how they were and how you thought they were going to be and what they turned out like I think this is a movie that will will spur some conversations with people with your friends
0: oh that's oh that's wonderful I think it was Billy Wilder or Hitchcock that said your only goal is to have them talking about your movie for 15 minutes later or something like that yes. was what was the was the thing and i yeah those those are the those films i i i that's one of the reasons why i liked juno and why i liked up in the air a friend of mine one time and i get why some people don't like it said up in the air was so awful and he wasn't a loyal person and i thought that movie's about loyalty and that movie's about you know the whole metaphor of flying the same thing and having a routine and I know it wasn't Diablo Cody, but that great little line of when, uh, Clooney's being made fun of for getting miles and he says, there's nothing wrong with loyalty. And, uh, I just love that. And then of course it being a movie that captured, uh, the economic crash of the world and, and, uh, living through that as an American. So that was another important thing there. So I just think it's cool and awesome that you got to, uh, that ta- you had the talent to, to combine with this talent. So we really appreciate you sharing your talent and stories and
1: we oh, wish the you. best
0: to, yeah, we will. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I feel really lucky you. that I got
1: to work on this movie.
0: So thank you. Uh, oh, excellent. Excellent. And we wish it the best and whatever projects you're working on, we wish them the best. And um, <laughs> I'm sure you will get the link through uh, Jess and yeah, it was a very much a pleasure talking with you, eh? <laughs>
1: Thank you. You as well. I've never said A, but I'll say it for you. Thank oh, you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent.
0: We appreciate that. Have a wonderful day. Right.
1: You too. Right. Bye. Right.
0: Excellent. I had such a good time uh, talking to pictures. We just love doing this show. And I'm going to get off the air here and I'm going to jump into. Watching a movie. So, as always, like I say, whether it's morning, afternoon, or night, or whatever other time you can possibly find, make sure and watch a good film. Aloha and peace.